Part Two, Chapter Six of Rubble and Rose Leaves and Things of That Kind. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Rubble and Rose Leaves by Frank W. Boren. The Chimes. It was Christmas Eve, an Australian Christmas Eve. To an Englishman, it must always seem a weird, uncanny hotchpotch. He never grows accustomed to the scorching Christmases that come to him beneath the Southern Cross. Southey once declared that however long a man lives, the first twenty years of his life will always represent the biggest half of it. This is indisputably so. The thoughts of youth are long, long thoughts. The first twenty years of life fasten upon our hearts sentiments and traditions that will dominate all our days i spent my first twenty christmases in the old land i have spent far more than twenty in the new yet whenever i find old father christmas wiping the perspiration from his brow as he wanders among the roses and strawberries of our fierce australian midsummer i feel secretly sorry for him he looks as jolly as ever yet he gives you the impression of having lost his way he seems to be casting about him for snowflakes and icicles. But as I was saying, it was Christmas Eve, an Australian Christmas Eve. The day had been sultry and tiring. After tea I sauntered off across the fields to a spot among the fir trees, at which I can always rely upon meeting a few grey squirrels, an old brown possum, and some other friends of mine. I had scarcely taken my seat on a grassy knoll, overlooking a belt of bush, when the laughing jackasses broke into a wild, unearthly course in the wooded valley below. And then, a few minutes later, the cool evening air was flooded with a torrent of harmony that transported me across the years and across the seas. The squirrels, the possum, and the kookaburras were left leagues and leagues behind. From a lofty steeple that crowned a distant crest there floated over hill and hollow the pealing and chiming of the bells. The magic that slept in the lute of the Pied Piper was as nothing compared with the magic of the bells. Beneath the witchery of their music time and space shrivel into nothingness and are no more. We are wafted to old familiar places. We see the old familiar faces. We enter into fellowship with lands far off and ages long departed. Frank Bullen heard our Australian bells. He was only a sailor boy at the time. Often, he says... I would stand on deck when my ship was anchored in Sydney Harbour on Sunday morning and listen to the church bells playing Sicilian mariners with a dull ache in my heart, a deep longing for something. I knew not what. The bells, according to their wont, were annihilating time and space. Beneath the enchantment of the minstrelsy, he sped as on angels' wings, away from the realities of his rough and roving sea-life into the quiet haven of a tender past. He was back in his old seat in a little chapel on Harrow Road. Every Englishman overseas will understand. The bells throw bridges across the yawning chasms of space and link up hearts that stand severed by the tyrannies of time. In his golden legend, Longfellow describes Prince Henry and Elsie standing in the twilight on the terrace of the old castle of Wattsburg on the Rhine. Suddenly they catch the strains of distant bells. Elsie asks what bells they are. The prince replies, They are the bells of Gassenheim. 
that with their melancholy chime ring out the curfew of the sun and then he adds dear elsie many years ago those same soft bells at eventide rang in the ears of charlemagne as seated at Fastrada's side at ingelheim in all his pride he heard their sound with secret pain and so through the melodious medium of the bells the royal lovers on the terrace crossed the long centuries that intervene and enter into fellowship with those other royal lovers of an earlier time i remember many years ago spending a few days at a beautiful country home in hampshire my hostess was a little old lady very little and very old i can see her now with her prim little cap her golden earrings and her silver ringlets it was summer time and one evening she invited me to accompany her on a walk across the deer park she was a happy little body and that evening she was specially vivacious her conversation was punctuated with pretty ripples of silvery laughter she was too proud to confess to feeling tired but when we reached the stile with a step to it on the brow of a hill she took a seat upon the step to drink in as she was careful to explain the beauty of the view i perched myself upon the stile itself and watched with interest the antics of a fine stag among some oak trees not far away then all at once the bells from the village behind us rang out blithely for a while i listened in silence and then turned to my companion to ask a question on glancing down at her face however i was astonished to notice tears upon her cheek what could be the matter with my gay little friend i immediately transferred my attention to the stag who was by this time ambling away across the park but she knew that i had seen the teardrops on our way back to the house she explained my mother died she said while i was on my honeymoon in italy i was only a girl and she was not much more she was only twenty when i was born and i was only eighteen on my wedding day i never dreamed when i left england that i should never see her again on the eve of my wedding she came up to me put her arm around me and led me away to spend one more hour alone with her we sauntered off to the stile on which you and i rested this evening and as we sat there hand in hand the bells pealed out just as they did to-night and as i listened to them just now her face her form her voice her words the very feeling of that other evening more than sixty years ago came back upon me more vividly than they have ever done before i could almost fancy that i was a girl again my marriage my children my travels and my long widowhood seemed all a dream it was the bells that took me back again i wonder if it was i wonder if the great iron bells that hung in the dusty old belfry of that english hamlet knew anything of the sweet and sacred secrets that my little old friend kept locked up in that gentle heart of hers i wonder if the bells of geisenheim knew anything of the loves of charlemagne and frustata of elsie and prince henry i wonder if the bells that drove the squirrels from my mind that summer evening knew anything of the christmas thoughts and christmas memories with which they flooded my soul i wonder and in my wonderment i find myself in excellent company for here is little paul dumbe he has only a few days to live although to-day he is slightly better and able to get about the house a little 
and in moving about the house he finds a workman mending the great clock in the hall and paul sees an opportunity of asking a few questions indeed dickens says that he asks not a few but a long string of them he asks the man a multitude of questions about chimes and clocks as whether people watched up in the lonely church steeples by night to make them strike and how the bells were rung when people died and whether those were different bells from wedding bells or only sounded different in the fancies of the living in this last question paul gets very near to our own do the bells say the things they seem to say or do they only seem to say those things did the bells of geisenheim speak of love to the lovers on the castle terrace did the bells of that hampshire village speak to the little old lady in the deer park concerning the days of old lang syne her happy girlhood and her mother's face did the bells of that australian steeple speak of the old-fashioned english christmases as their delicious music fell on my delighted ears that summer night of course not the bells take us as they find us and set us to music that is all paul dumbay who died young half suspected it the trotty vec of the chimes who lived to be old proved it from experience and proved it up to the hilt when things were going badly with trotty and richard and meg and the magistrate said that people like them should be put down with the utmost rigour of the law the chimes when they suddenly pealed out made the air ring with the refrain put em down put em down facts and figures facts and figures put em down put em down if says dickens the chimes said anything they said this and they said it until trotty's brain fairly reeled later on in the story we have the same chimes and the same people listening to them but this time all is going well meg and richard are to be married on the morrow and trotty is at the height of his felicity just then the bells the old familiar bells his own dear constant steady friends the chimes began to ring when had they ever rung like that before they chimed out so lustily so merrily so happily so gaily that he leapt to his feet and broke the spell that bound him and a few minutes later trotty and richard and meg were dancing with delight to the gay glad music of the bells when they themselves were sad the chimes seemed mournful when they were glad the chimes seemed blithe are they different bells asked little paul dumbay or do they only sound different paul was getting very near to the heart of a great truth and if only trotty veck and he could have talked things over together they might have given us a philosophy of bells that would have immeasurably enriched our thought the chimes are among the things to which distance lends enchantment the bells as my little old lady and i heard them from the deer park were sweeter than the same bells heard in the churchyard under the belfry in his cheapside to arcady mr arthur scammell suggests that the music of the bells awakens the echoes of all the infinities and all the eternities he finds himself up in the bell tower after the last stroke of the bell ceases to be heard down in the church he says the sound is continued up here in a long diminuendo and how long will it be before that vibrant hum is completely extinguished all through the night the air about the bells may still be throbbing with faint echoes and reverberations and if an hour or a night why not a year or a century mean not even the sound of the first ringing of these old bells yet lisp against the walls and roof in infinitesimal vibrations 
the tower may be alive with the thin ghosts of all the joyous and mournful notes that have endeared and embittered the sound of bells to hundreds of human hearts and if following the same line of argument the music of the bells falls so sweetly on my ear as i sit upon my grassy knoll two miles away from the steeple who is to say that twenty miles away a thousand miles away the air is not trilling and trembling with their delicious melodies it may be only because my perceptive faculties are so gross my ears so heavy that i do not in this australian pleasance of mine catch the chimes of big ben and the echoes of bow bells and if mr scammell's philosophy be true of bells why not of other sounds as i ponder his striking suggestion i find it more easy to understand that great saying that whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light and that which ye have whispered in the ear shall be shouted from the housetops the deeds we do the words we say into still air they seem to fleet we count them past but they shall last to the great judgment day and we shall meet the bells are not only heard at a distance they are better heard at a distance it is possible to get so near to them as to miss the music in his autobiography james naismith tells of a visit he paid to the tower of st giles edinburgh he had often been charmed by the chimes and longed to get nearer to them but the experience brought a rude disillusionment the frantic movements of the musician as he rushed wildly from one key to another often widely apart gave me the idea that the man was mad while the banging of his mallets completely drowned the music of the chimes it is possible to get too near to things you do not see the grandeur of a mountain as you recline upon its slopes the disciples were too near to jesus that explains some of the most poignant tragedies of the new testament a minister through constant association with the sublimities of divine truth may lose the vision of their eternal grandeur and unless things in the manse are very carefully managed the members of a minister's family may easily suffer through being too near to things they do not see the mountain in the grand perspective the banging of the mallets drowns the music of the bells one beautiful june evening years ago i was walking along the banks of the thames it was saturday night i had undertaken to preach at twickenham on the sunday all at once i was arrested by the pealing of the bells strangers stopped each other to inquire why the belfries had become vocal at that strange hour we learned later that the bells were proclaiming the birth of an heir to the british throne a prince had been born at white lodge just across the river well might the bells peal that night well too may the bells peal on christmas eve i like to think that over the birth of that babe born in bethlehem and cradled in a manger more bells have been rung than over all the princes since the world began the chinese cherish a lovely legend concerning the great bell at pekin the emperor they say sent for kuan yin the caster of the bells and described the bell that he desired it was to be larger than any bell ever made and its tone more beautiful its music was to be heard a hundred miles away great honors were to be heaped upon the bell-maker if he succeeded a cruel death was to follow his failure guan yin set to work he mixed the costliest metals he labored night and day 
and at last he finished the bell he tested it and was disappointed he tried again and was again mortified he was at his wit's end then koai his beautiful daughter consulted an astrologer the oracle assured her that if the blood of a fair virgin mingled with the molten metals the music would ravish the ears of every listener koai returned to the foundry and when the glowing metal poured white-hot from the furnace she plunged into the shining bath before her the music of the great bell the eastern say is the music of her sacrifice it is only an oriental myth but it strangely helps me to interpret to my heart the solemn sweetness that i recognize in all these christmas chimes end of part two chapter six